Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang Out in the Holy Land, the Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross, and joining me, as always, is Josh Dooley. Uh, Josh, there was there was no sporting events that happened this past weekend. Um, nothing really at all. Kind of a kind of a slow weekend for sports in general. How are you? Uh, how are you doing this week? Oh man, your boy is down bad. Uh, I know you're being facetious. I know we have to talk about the Super Bowl. My Bengals lost. Um, I am devastated, heartbroken, inconsolable, and a number of other colorful adjectives. Um, it sucks, man. It sucks a lot. But we were talking a little bit before we started the pod. I, I think I'm handling it better than I thought I would because the Bengals were never supposed to be there. They played a relatively good game and they had a chance to win it at the end. So, you know, short of winning the game, you can't ask for a whole lot more. And I think the manner in which they lost hurt worse. Like if we if they got blown out, I'd be like, we all knew this was coming. Um, but to lose in the way they did, like that hurt more in the moment. But what I kind of took away from it is I think this team can get back and, it, and it's not going to be another 33 years. So, um, yeah, man, football's over. And I, I, I will probably not completely let go of this for a long, long time. But Joe Burrow balled out, uh, Sam Hubbard balled out, a couple of former Buckeyes. I know you probably want to talk about Eli Apple, who did not. Halftime performance was outstanding. So some, some good takeaways from the game, I guess. Yeah, I'm just happy that Josh was a trooper and, and agreed to still do the podcast this week. I was a little bit worried he would be MIA <laughs> after the Bengals lost. But like he said, overall, you know, as an objective viewer myself, it was a really good game. Like Josh said, the Bengals had a chance to win it at the end. It was, you know, two two really good teams, two teams that deserve to be there. And also, like you said, you know, the Bengals are still going to be a good team moving forward. You know, a lot of good young pieces between Burrow and Chase and all those guys. And then as well, you know, if they, they hit, hit offensive line hard in the draft, I think they'll be back in the playoffs for years to come. So I don't think it'll be too long before we see them in a, in a big spot once again but like you said the Rams did come away victorious I was upset to see Odell get hurt with yeah, another ACL injury but you know I'm glad to see him get get his ring and and all that but yeah it was a good game halftime show was cool um a lot of good stuff I thought you know like I said game overall was fun uh didn't didn't win many prop bets uh so that's unfortunate but overall I thought you know it was it was a good experience and and uh it is sad the, the saddest part really is that football is now over until you know end of August at this point when college football comes back but you know, we will still, as as is usually the case on the Ohio State beat, there will still be lots to talk about in the college football realm. We still have the draft coming up in April. So not a, not a total dearth of football coming up in the next few months, but in terms of games, it will be quite a bit now. So, um, yeah, that, that being said, we have some more, um, more Ohio State stuff to talk about. Obviously, last week we did our um, offensive depth chart preview. Uh, that was, that was kind of mixed in with some other stuff as there wasn't as much to talk about. But this week... We are diving into the defense, obviously the, the hot topic of Ohio State's offseason, I would say, with all of the new coaching staff coming in, you know, certain different player personnel movement and all that stuff. So, Josh, before we kind of get into the, the meat and potatoes of this Ohio State defense and what we think this depth chart is going to look at, I did want to talk about just the Jim Knowles style of defense a little bit. We had kind of talked briefly before the podcast about it um, and kind of discussing how we wanted to to break down the depth chart because it is 
Jim Knowles' defense is kind of a bunch of moving parts. It's not a, a traditional a traditional system. He does run a, a base four two five, which is what Ohio State ran last year. But Ohio State kind of just ran out the four two five, and that was kind of it with their with their base defense. Whereas Jim Knowles kind of moves some pieces around. Sometimes it's a four two five. Sometimes it looks more of like a, a three three five. Obviously, with that Leo position that we've talked about, and that we will talk about once we're getting into the players. But you know, at, at the end of the day, it is really. Uh, kind of a four-two-five. You have the a defensive end, two defensive tackles, and then your Leo as kind of your other defensive end slash linebackers. That's kind of how you get your three-three-five there. If that Leo drops back into coverage or or is more of a stand-up linebacker on any given play, that could kind of switch things up. But the back end is pretty standard, um, at least for the way he runs it. You have two true outside corners. You have sort of a, a corner slot safety, sort of kind of like the bullet that Ohio State ran, and then you have your two true safeties. So at its core. Um, the defense will probably look pretty similar, at least uh, formationally, to what Ohio State ran out there last year. But I think that, you know, obviously the hopefully the the results are much better. But I think that the way it looks will also look much different, just based on some of the things that Jim Knowles likes to do with different blitz packages, with the way he likes to play an aggressive defense. So I think that even though the bases are similar, I think it's going to look a lot different when you see it on the field. Yeah, I think it could look similar at the snap, right? But he will experiment and kind of go back and forth probably between a 4-2 and a 3-3 front alignment. Um, <clears throat> I think they talk about it more in the NFL and it's it's not the exact same, but it it may all it may almost be like an amoeba defense, right? You hear that term in the NFL where guys are just kind of moving around and you know, Knowles has his scheme and he has his base and there's going to be a game plan to go with that. But I think you're going to see a lot more movement with the intent to confuse or throw off the opposing offense. And so that's where I think you'll see the different alignments come in. I'm excited about the fact that he seems willing to experiment and move guys and move things around. You know, that was one of the things that we had gripes with um, the past couple of seasons, right, is the failure to adapt or failure to adjust and sort of change things up. And some of that may have been due to like Kerry Combs being a new defensive coordinator, uh, could have been due to the personnel. But it was almost like, uh, you know, if guys were moving around, it, it was almost like they were confused. It was by default, right? They, they didn't, they weren't supposed to be in that position that they ended up in, but that's just sort of, sort of how it happened. So, I am excited about this. I think that aggression will be a, a big factor and a big theme. He has talked about that. Jim Knowles has. And um, it, as badly as this unit has struggled over the past couple of years, and we'll get into it when we go through the depth chart, I still like a lot of these guys on the roster and on the depth chart. And so I think with proper coaching, the hope is he gets the most out of some of these guys and maximizes their potential. And I think that he will. I think that we'll see some guys who, you know, maybe they don't start the year with the ones, but they work their way up there or, you know, they're, they're a little bit of an afterthought and then they become a real key contributor. I think there's the potential for guys to kind of exceed what we thought their potential was under a past regime. And so that is probably what I'm most excited about besides the aggression and the blitzing and the things like that, trying to cause turnovers, which Jim Knowles has been good at with his defenses, but just what can he do with these players? There are four and five star recruits all over this depth chart. And, uh, you know, some or a lot of them have not played up to that potential. I hope that he can get them there and maybe push them past what we thought they were going to be. 
Yeah, it just feels like this Ohio State defense for a few years now has really lacked creativity. And like you said, a lot mm-hmm. of the a lot of the personnel movement we've seen when they're swapping guys in and out has been more of just that the staff didn't really know what they had. It wasn't really like playing guys in situational fronts. It was just like, all right, we'll throw these guys out on this play because we don't really know who who's the best at doing this job. And it did just feel like the the last year's defensive staff was pretty discombobulated. Like you said, he brought Kerry Combs in as a first time defensive coordinator had him running a too-high safety system that he had never run before, even just as, as a coach out of a position. So it was, it was an entirely new world for them. They had a lot of new players. It was just a whole—the whole system was bad. It all had to go. So I'm glad we're seeing kind of a clean slate here and things being turned around. Because like you said, I do think there are a lot of players that you saw in last year's team that maybe didn't perform so well that could see a good jump this year under actual coaching um, but that being said, Josh, I'm, int- I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how our depth charts differ for the defense because I kind of I feel like I went more of what I want to see rather than potentially what I think we will see. And, and while I, I do think there's a chance we do see what I put out there because that's why I put together this depth chart and I am hoping that we see, no matter who it is, we see the best guys out there playing. Uh, I'm interested to see how our two depth charts differ because like you said, although there are a bunch of returning players coming back, um, when looking at my depth chart here, I have what on my count seven New starters out of the eleven guys wow. on the field, and while you know some of them, some of these are guys that you know probably played close to starter snaps, so I wouldn't say they're new starters per se. But these guys, a lot of the guys I have on here at the number ones on the depth chart weren't the number ones last year. I have two true freshmen who I have starting. Um, you probably have a good idea of who those will be when we get to those positions. But I have a lot of change coming, and I'm expecting to see a lot of change on the field, whether it is among the ones, or like you said, we see guys kind of take over as the year goes on and, and players' roles get more defined as the coaches kind of learn what they have, the new coaches learn the players they have at their disposal. So uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see where we go with this, and I, I'm interested to see where we differ on certain spots. And I think we'll differ a lot, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that either one of us knows more than the other. I just think there is a lot of unknown. And, you know, Jim Knowles is going to come in and put his stamp on this defense and do with it what he sees fit. And, you know, he's not tied to anybody on this roster. I mean, I'm sure he's got his guys identified. Um, he's, re- I guess he's tied to Tanner McAllister, but he is starting with a clean slate. He, if he wants to, has, you know, presumably been given the power and the authority to change everything about this defense. I'm sure that if he identifies 11 new starters, Ryan Day might, you know, probably be a little bit uncomfortable or weary of it. Be like, hey, man, this is your show. That is what he has talked about in bringing in Jim Knowles. So I do think that we'll have some differing opinions, but, you know, I, I think there's the opportunity for us to both be very wrong. But again, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I'm not you know, going to be disappointed if I whiff on some of mine because I have faith in what Jim Knowles is going to do. And I think that he's going to experiment with players and now he's got a lead up to do that. So uh, I think it could be even different spring practice to kickoff week one. Who knows with a lot of these guys? So a lot of unknown. And I think it'll probably take a while to get sorted out too. Yeah. And I, and I think it's probably a good thing if we don't like get these hundred percent correct and we're not hundred percent on the same page, because then it means that the backups aren't terrible. If we had the same, you know, starting 11 on defense, that means we probably don't have a ton of faith in a lot of the other guys on the roster. So us having different guys and, and, and feeling that, and like believing in those guys and feeling that, you know, which both of our starting 11s could potentially be good defense. I think that's a good sign for Ohio State's defense. So I know one thing we're going to agree on though. Which is just based on a lot of what you said during the year, Bryson Shaw is probably the only concrete starter 
on the defense, right? Oh, absolutely. He was the first guy off my pick. <laughs> if I had to pick players, you know, one the one the hundred on the on the depth chart, he is my number one guy. We will get to safeties and cores and all that in a little bit, but I did want to start with defensive line, where I feel like there are a couple of of kind of concrete guys, but there is one very interesting position in the Leo. So I'm going to kind of go through my four starters I have up front. Then we'll go go to what you have, Josh, and then we'll kind of work through the rest of the guys on the depth chart and how, how we differ and stuff like that. So starting at defensive end, the true defensive end spot on this def- uh, Jim Knowles defensive line, um, I have JT Tuimaloao, uh, obviously the former five-star recruit. He played increasingly as the season went on last year. I thought he played really well, especially in in run stopping. I think he could could improve a little bit on rushing the passer, but I'm sure Larry Johnson's been working with him all offseason. I'm sure he will continue to improve. He was obviously a freshman last year, so a lot of room for improvement there, but I thought we saw a very good base out of JT Tumaloa last year. Um, and then the two defensive tackle spots, Ohio State's going to have a, a three-tech and a nose, or at least that's what Jim Knowles has traditionally had um, at the three-tech spot. I, I would hope it'll be Tyleek Williams, who we've both talked about a lot on this podcast, looked really good last year, in, in despite very limited snaps. I, I would very highly assume that he will be a starter this year based on how he played, and I'm sure he will look good in the spring as well. Uh, next to him, a little bit more up in the air, but I think it'll be Teron Vincent as, as sort of that nose guy. A lot of returning experience, obviously injured for the first couple of years of his career, but this is another former five-star recruit who, who played admirably last year. I think he's one of the more experienced guys in that room, and I think he, as long as he is healthy, he will continue to man down that nose tackle spot. Uh, which brings us to the Leo spot, and I have this is my first or on the depth chart, which Ohio State likes to do, so I will take advantage of it as well. Um, and my or at the Leo is is Jack Sawyer and Zach Harrison. I, I think that Sawyer and Harrison both have uh, better body types to play the kind of Leo position than than a guy like Tui Maloa does. I think they're both very good athletes. Obviously, Zach Harrison coming back for another year could have tested NFL waters. Jack Sawyer coming into just his second year at Ohio State. Both former five-star prospects, both guys that have kind of differing skill sets. I think that Zach Harrison could be more of that stand-up end that, that Jim Knowles likes to employ at the Leo. I, I think that Jack Sawyer could be more of the pure pass rusher type, but I think that both of those guys could excel at the Leo. So those are my kind of four of five uh, starters at the, on the defensive line on my depth chart. Josh, how do you stack up along the defensive front? Very similar. Um, at nose tackle, I, I sort of had an or. I think that Jerron Cage could end up getting that spot because... You know, I, when I think of true nose tackle, I think of big space eater. And Teron Vincent is by no means a small man, but Jerron Cage does have, I think, like two inches, 20 pounds on him. He's a bit more of a space eater. So I could see Cage winning that position. But then again, you look at end of season production, Teron Vincent played pretty well against Utah. So, um, you know, just for argument's sake, I'll say Jerron Cage, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, I liked what we saw from Teron Vincent towards the latter half of the 2021 season. In the Leo position, I'm with you. I, I think it's probably going to be Zach Harrison starting out by default. But depending on what he wants to do with that position, Jim Knowles, that is, um, you know, if that position is asked to drop into coverage with any sort of regularity, that's a big variable. Uh, We have not seen Zach Harrison do that often. And when he has, you know, he he hasn't really made plays again, very, very small sample size. Um, But then you also think about size. I mean, Zach Harrison is 6'6", 270 pounds. So as a pass rusher, great. Perfect. If you're asking him to drop back into coverage and, you know, stay with 
probably not a slot position, but maybe pick up a tight end or something like that. That's a big dude out there. Whereas Jack Sawyer is more of that compact, stronger size, you know, speed wise. I don't know. They're probably very similar. Um, but Jack Sawyer, he's listed at 6'4", 240. You have talked about Coach Marotti and what he does with some of these guys. Jack Sawyer looks thick with two C's, uh, especially at the end of the year during some of those Rose Bowl practices. So who knows? But I think either one of them could be successful. I like Jack Sawyer's potential as a pass rusher, and I think he probably has a higher ceiling based on what we've seen. But at least week one, I think it's going to be Zach Harrison at either that traditional and or that Leo that is asked to kind of do different things just based on experience, pedigree, the fact that he did come back. I'm sure that, you know, he's coming back to improve his draft stock, but I'm sure in his mind too, he thinks that he's probably got a very good chance of starting and maybe playing a featured role in this defense. So I'll go with him for now by default. Yeah. And, and like we know that Larry Johnson likes to rotate his guys on the defensive line. So I'm sure regardless of who's starting there, we will see a bunch of the other guy, um, same goes for, you know, a guy like Jerron Cage and Teron Vincent. I wouldn't be surprised to see them rotating in a lot. I also had uh, Mike Hall listed as the other three tech behind Talik Williams. I think we'll see a good amount of him rotating in. Maybe some Ty Hamilton, the younger brother of Devon Hamilton, the former Ohio State defensive tackle. Um, at the end spot, the true end spot, I think we'll see a little bit of Tyler Friday, who was injured most of last year. Uh, maybe a little bit of a Javante John Baptiste. Those are probably the first two guys off the bench at, at an end spot there. The true end, I would say, not not as much the Leo. Um, and then as another guy at the Leo spot, maybe my first, I, don't, I wouldn't say a hot take of the defense, but maybe an unpopular or like a not really a place that somebody's putting this guy. I have Cody Simon listed as a potential player at the Leo and, and I have it because, you know, Cody Simon obviously played linebacker for Ohio State last year. I thought he was okay. He, I, I think he was much better in, in run stopping than he was against the pass. I think he really struggled in, in pass uh, coverage situations. So I think that having him in a spot like the Leo at his size with his athleticism, I think having him as more of a stand-up and maybe rush the pass a little bit, but a guy who has experience at least dropping back before, I think it would be interesting to put a guy like Cody Simon at Leo. So I actually didn't list... Cody Simon among my linebackers, and obviously we'll get there in a little bit, but I have Cody Simon listed as another potential candidate to Leo because I think that his skill set and what we've seen from him so far would help him out better there. And obviously, you know, we're going to talk about when we get to the linebackers, but Jim Knowles is a linebacker guy, so maybe some of those guys do take a step up under him, and Cody Simon does, in fact, you know, earn a starting spot at linebacker instead. But I think for right now, what we've seen from Cody Simon, I kind of like him as another option at that Leo spot. So that's kind of where I have the rest of that that depth chart at defensive line. I don't know if you have any other guys that you wanted to mention along there. I think the Cody Simon piece is interesting, um, especially if he can prove himself as a pass rusher. But also, you know, excuse me, we've talked about that position potentially dropping back into coverage. And of the three, I guess the top three, if you want to talk about Harrison Sawyer and Simon, even though Simon was not great in coverage all the time, he was inconsistent. He probably has the edge over those two traditional defensive linemen. So I do think that's interesting. I want to throw you a curveball and... Uh, you know, I've studied some of the Jim Knowles defense, um, and, and I don't know how realistic this is, but do you see any sort of situation or scenario where he, and, and this wouldn't be the base, but on occasion, do you think that we could see some sort of true three-three-five where they have three down linemen and three linebackers, 
out there or, you know, the third guy, maybe a Leo type. But do you think that there's, uh, you know, a possibility that we see something like that, whereas, you know, maybe Sawyer is down and Zach Harrison standing up or something like that? Do you think that we could see? Look at the three, what we would consider defensive ends, Harrison, Sawyer and JTT. Do you think that we could see all three of those guys on the field at the same time in certain packages? Yeah, I think we could sort of see uh, almost like a modified uh, what, what Larry Johnson likes to call the Rushman package, where Ohio State used to put the four defensive ends on the field in pure pass rushing situations. I feel like we kind of didn't see that at, at all or pretty much last year. So I'll be interested to see if they kind of do something like that with a modified version of the Leo. And I think that maybe a guy like, you know, in that scenario, a guy like Cody Simon could be that that third linebacker. And then you have, you know... Uh, JT Tuimaloao, Jack Sawyer, and then like Talik Williams or Zach Harrison as kind of that guy in the middle. Uh, probably Zach Harrison as if they're going to go true ends just because he's a bigger dude. But I wouldn't be surprised because of what we've seen from Tyleek Williams as a pass rusher if he's in there as well. But I think that is an interesting concept if you have almost four defensive linemen out there, one of them at, at a stand-up linebacker. I think that's definitely something we could see in certain blitz packages and certain you know clear rushing the passer situations. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think that, you know, the brain trust up front between Larry Johnson and, and Jim Knowles will be an interesting one to watch, and I think that there's a lot of good that could come from those two guys at that position. So I am excited for this Ohio State defensive line. I think it should be better than we've seen in past years. I think a lot of Ohio State's struggles the past couple of years in the back end have been a result of a, of a poor pass rush. So I'm hoping that you know, kind of switching up a little bit, both in personnel and in scheme, we will see a much better pass rush from Ohio State this year, which overall will lead to a, a better defense. And I think that's why you and I are both high on Tyleek Williams, because if the goal is to get after the quarterback, that's not something that Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage really provide. So I think you are, you and I are in agreement that Tyleek Williams probably needs to be out there. And that's where I was thinking, like you said, the modified Rushman package, you know, if they are going against a, a Purdue, for instance, right? Purdue wants to spread it out and throw the ball. Is that an, uh, you know, a scenario where they could have, quote unquote, three or four defensive ends out there at any given time, sort of moving around in different positions? So, again, I don't know how realistic it is, but I think that he has the athletes and Ohio State has the athletes on this team to where, you know, I, I just want to see them find a way to get some of those high end pass rushers on the field together at the same time. Yeah. And I'll be interested to see, too. You know, we obviously talk about all these guys that have, we have, have been on the team for a little bit and guys that, you know, have the potential to step up. Ohio State is also bringing in a very good defensive line freshman class. You know, you've got Amari Abor, Caden Curry, Kenyatta Jackson, Hero Canoe. So I'll be interested to see if any of those guys crack the rotation a little bit. I'm obviously not expecting any of them to be day one starters or even probably start the season in the two deep. But I'll be interested to see by season's end if any of those guys have worked their way into the rotation. All four of them are very highly touted coming out of high school. We know that, you know, some of these guys we've talked about, like a, a Tyler Friday and even Zach Harrison, have been you know underperforming based on what their recruiting rankings were coming out of high school. So I wouldn't be totally surprised if we see any of those guys playing a, kind of a significant role by season's end. Do you have any? You know, do you think any of those guys could could crack the rotation early on, or do you think they're kind of just like stuck in year one? Gosh, I think all of them could. I would probably put Hero Canoe at the bottom of the list just because it's an experience thing, right? He's been playing you know, this sort of football for three or four years and that's it. So that's a limited sample size. But when I think about depth chart, and this might surprise you, I could see Caden Curry maybe getting in there first because he has played that interior spot. Whereas I think Kenyatta Jackson and Amari Abar, they're kind of 
up against it. They're behind a lot of guys still with a ton of talent. Whereas when you look on the inside, I mean, Jerron Cage has been in school for six years for a reason. All right. I like the guy, but um, Teron Vincent has struggled to stay healthy. And really, he's only put together, you know, I'd say a handful of good games where we've seen his potential. You know, maybe Ken Curry surprised some people. So you put him on the inside and it's a sort of a different dynamic and a, some some fresh blood in there. So I, he's probably you know, he is lower on the totem pole when it comes to like recruiting rankings and things like that, but it's all about opportunity. And with him being able to kind of play inside or outside or a combination, maybe that gives him an edge when it comes to playing time. Yeah. I think it'd be tough for any of these guys to really crack the rotation on the edge. But like you said, Curry is kind of a guy who could slide into that inside. So I think that, you know, younger guys to look out for this year on the defensive line are Curry and then Mike Hall, who's, who's in year two, um, both of those guys highly highly touted. Both of them can play in the interior, where, like you said, Ohio State has a little bit less proven depth than some guys that have have you know been either beaten up or struggled or, or been here for a while, and not really, really not really blown up. So I, I think it's interesting to watch. I think Ohio State has a lot of talent along that defensive front, and I think we've been waiting for a while for those for the, that that unit to really show out. Really since really since Chase Young left, we've been waiting for that that line to kind of get back to what they were back in those days, back in the Boses and the Youngs. And while there isn't probably, you know, I don't think there will be another Chase Young for quite a while. It's it's kind of hard to live up to that expectations. I'm just hoping that as a unit, Ohio State could have be be strong up front because we've seen for the past couple of years that they've been really good against the run, and and that's even without really, you know, obviously they've had some really good defensive tackles, you know, Haskell Garrett. Uh, uh, Tommy Togiai, uh, his name was escaping me. Uh, you know they've had really good guys up up the middle, uh, but it's really been on the edge that they haven't had a true star yet. So maybe Tuimala Jack Sawyer could break out this year. Maybe with I'll the, hit with you with a take. Team. Actually, yeah, I think that one of those top three guys when we think defensive ends, traditional defensive ends between JTT, Jack Sawyer, and Zach Harrison, one of those guys is is going to finish with ten sacks this year or more. Um, you know, it'd be great if they finished with 12 or 13. Who knows? It's a lot to put on somebody, but I, I'm with you. I don't know that they're in that Chase Young category yet, but I think one of those guys reaches double digit sacks. Yeah. And if it was, you know, out of those three guys, if I had to put money on one of them, I would probably pick Jack Sawyer, even though he's probably, you know, he's in the biggest position battle, I would say. I just think that he has, as a pure pass rusher, I think he has the most potential. Like I said, JT Tumalo, very good, but he seems like more of a, more of a run stopping guy. And he, I'm sure he'll get to the quarterback a lot this season as well. But I think Jack Sawyer is just that, that pure talent pass rusher kind of guy. So I wouldn't be totally surprised if any of those guys reach double digit sacks. Obviously we would love to see it. Some we haven't seen for a couple of years now, but something Ohio State could certainly use. Uh, another thing Ohio State could certainly use is better play at the linebacker position um, where, you know, this year they have uh, a little better depth than I would say they had last year. And that's, um, that's with a couple guys coming back. That's with a couple guys coming in. So we'll start off just with what we have at the, at the linebacker spot. I only have, you know, like we said, it's a, it's a four, two, five. So I only have two guys listed here as starters. Uh, one of my starters I have as steel chambers, who obviously last year played linebacker for the first time, transferring over for running back. I thought he played admirably. He wasn't, you know, spectacular, but I thought of Ohio State's linebackers, he was the best of the bunch. He was, you know, the most of the fastest to the ball, read and react kind of guy, which I think Jim Knowles will like. And now having a year under a guy like Jim Knowles, who is a linebacker specialist, you know, having real coaching. I was actually impressed by Steel Chambers being able to like transfer to linebacker without any real coaching. Uh, so that was mm-hmm. impressive to see. So having an actual coach now, an actual coach is on the side of the ball. I think we'd see an even better season from Steel Chambers. So I have him as one of my linebackers. And then my other linebacker spot is the first of my two true freshmen I have starting, and that is five-star freshman C.J. Hicks, who I think 
is going to have a really tough time staying off the field this year. I think this kid is is a tremendous player. He's going to be truly special at Ohio State. I've been waiting, you know, really since the the days of the Darren Lees and the Jerome Bakers and the Raekwon McMillans. Ohio State hasn't had a, a true star linebacker to look to on that defense, and I think that C.J. Hicks is going to become that guy in Columbus. I don't know if he'll be it in year one. But I think he is just too good a player to keep off this field. And so I think that, you know, there, there are some guys out there that he's going to have to compete with for sure. And, and guys that are ahead of him in the depth chart to start the year probably. But I think that C.J. Hicks is going to be a starting linebacker on this Ohio State team. And I think he's going to be a damn good one at that. I agree that he's going to be a damn good linebacker. I can't say that I expect him to be a starter yet. But I will say if it's Steel Chambers and C.J. Hicks out there, that is a lot of athleticism in the middle of the field. And so... If that's what Jim Knowles leans towards, those are two good guys. Um, as far as my two projected linebackers, I, like you, had Steel Chambers uh, sort of playing that will, that weak side linebacker. That's what he played last year. Like you said, without a ton of uh, top end coaching, I guess. And so I think we'll see him out there again. I think that he's untapped potential right now doing what he did as a running back convert, I think was super impressive. So I'm with you on Steel Chambers. And then the other one I have at sort of, I guess, the mic, the middle is Tom Terrific. Tommy Eichenberg, I, I think, really showed a lot during the second half of the season. You know, he had infinity tackles against Utah. So I think he has earned that right now. You know, uh, again, Nobody's earned anything with Jim Knowles, but I think that Tommy Eichenberg has earned that respect sort of from us. And if you're looking for a linebacker out there who can kind of organize the defense um, a little bit and be a bit of a thumper, I think that is Tommy Eichenberg. When you think of a like a traditional middle linebacker in the NFL sense, and I know we're talking about a different defense, but that middle linebacker is usually or he's often like your quarterback out there and perhaps, you know, maybe one of your safeties. But when you're thinking of a guy in the middle who can kind of patrol and put people in the right positions as a bit of a coach on the field, I think that's Tommy Eichenberg more so than some of the other linebackers. So he's my number two. And just for, you know, the sake of conversation, I think that if we see three traditional linebackers on the field, which I don't think we'll see often, but if we do, I think the third spot's going to go to Cade Stover on that strong side, playing that uh, that Sam linebacker. You know, he came to Ohio State as a linebacker, and he was a good one in high school, and he did an unselfish thing. He flipped over to the other side of the ball. He played tight end, but then at the end of last season, he practiced with that group for the Rose Bowl, played pretty well in the Rose Bowl. And when I think of, like, badass, tough linebacker, maybe it's the haircut, the tattoos, I don't know. That's Cade Stover to me of the guys in the room right now. So I think if there is that third traditional one, it could be him. And I wouldn't be shocked, I guess, if he started over somebody like a Tommy Eichenberg in the middle. Um, you know, he's a bigger guy. He's a thumper. He can play well against the run, presumably. Um, so that's where I'm at for my top three linebackers. I do think that CJ Hicks is going to play. I, I don't know if it's week one, week six, week 10, something, but I think you're going to get him out on the field. And other than that, um, I, I, I'm not real sure. I, I want there to be a role for Cody Simon because I think he's uber athletic, but 
I just don't know if I see it. And then Taraja Mitchell, I mean, gosh, he started the year last year and he's back for another season, but I just don't see a spot in the two deep for him right now. Um, and, and I could very well be wrong, but maybe he came back for a reason. Maybe he's betting on himself. Maybe he thinks with the proper coaching and the proper you know scheme that he can play much better than he has in the past. So I think those are a couple of names to maybe keep an eye on. But uh, I don't know where you at on Tommy Eichenberg. I thought that I, I, I get the CJ Hicks love. I really do. But what do you think as far as Tommy Eichenberg goes, given his performance at the end of last year? Yeah, I, I think if it isn't CJ Hicks at that other linebacker spot, I think the most likely starter is probably Tommy Eichenberg based on how much he improved over the course of the year and what we saw from him by the year's end. You know, like we both said, I think any of these guys could probably take a jump now that they have actual coaching on their side. Um, but it is an interesting linebacker room. I'm glad you brought up Cade Stover. He's one of the guys I had as kind of my on my wild card list on my depth chart. Uh, this is a guy that's bounced around between offense and defense. He is, interestingly enough, still listed on Ohio State's depth chart as a tight end, but we did hear that he's going to play defense this year, so we will probably see him in that linebacker mix. A um, couple other guys in that room that are kind of interesting, you know, a guy like Reed Carrico, kind of a forgotten man in his recruiting class, could maybe have a role this year. You obviously still have Palale Neoteote as an option, the transfer. They brought in Diamante Traynum from Arizona State, who's another converted running back as an option. Interestingly enough, he is listed on Ohio State's depth chart as Chip Traynum, so I guess he's going by Chip at Ohio State, um, which was a nickname Chip of the his. Ripper. Yeah, I mean, a cool, cool name for a linebacker. I like Chip, so we'll, that that's cool. Um, and then I have another um, another kind of position change, much like I have Cody Simon at Leo. Um, I have Court Williams in the linebacker room. Uh, Court Williams is a guy that I've been very high on and his entire time at Ohio State. He's listed as a safety on Ohio State's depth chart. This guy's listed at six foot one, two twenty. He's not a safety. He's a linebacker. I don't know what they're trying to do with him. I know he was recruited as kind of the bullet, but he's a linebacker. He's he's too big to be a safety, but he's still got a pretty good athleticism. I think he could be a real difference maker if they move the linebacker and give him a real shot there. So I'm interested to see what they do with Court Williams, but I have him listed in that linebacker room as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes a starter at some point during the year because I do think he's a really good player that they just the, the previous coaching staff didn't really know what to do with. And I think that, you know, with smarter coaches now, I think that there's a chance he could play a role in this defense. So unlike last year, I think Ohio State has a lot well, of I options. Get, I want to jump in on Court Williams, and I don't see a spot for him at linebacker, but I'm really glad you brought him up because I'm going to surprise you later. I am with you in the Court Williams fan club. You know, look at his last two games played last year when he finally started to get healthy. <clears throat> he had seven tackles against Michigan State, two for loss, um, two for loss. He had six tackles against Utah, including a sack. So given the opportunity, he's played really well. And I think he's a really exciting athlete. So I'm going to hit you with a surprise later, but uh, keep that name in mind. And I know that you will, because I, I, I have high hopes for Court Williams. Yeah, it seems like he's a guy that every time he's been out there, he's been making plays. So I'm excited to see what they could do with that this year, potentially. Also, they have Gabe Powers, another highly touted linebacker coming in in this class. So Unlike last year, it was a pretty you know pretty shallow room. There was a bunch of guys there, but none of them particularly great. I think they have a lot of options. Uh, you, you brought up Taraja Mitchell coming back. I was high on him coming into last year, but having seen him play last year, he just kind of looked a little bit slow. And I don't know you know if it was the coaching, if it was I, I know a lot of the linebackers' problems were kind of on the fact that they weren't reading and reacting, and the coaching staff had them thinking about too much. So maybe under a better system that that rewards aggression, maybe Taraja Mitchell could be an impact player for Ohio State. But we certainly didn't. See it last year, so I had actually I had forgotten him on my depth chart entirely. 
Uh, but I, I could see him maybe like playing into a role a little bit if he is, you know, being able to be coached up a little better. Maybe that is why he returned. But overall, I think it'll be interesting. I think they have good options. I think we should see improved play from Ohio State's linebackers, given the guys on staff and given the personnel they have. Um, I really, really like CJ Hicks, and I'm hoping he gets at least a shot to be a starter, if not, you know, earn it by the end of the year. But nonetheless, I think that. You know, if you trot out C.J. Hicks and Steel Chambers or, you know, Tommy Eikenberg and Steel Chambers as kind of your two to start the year, I think that they're in pretty good shape. And I'm, I'm, I, I think we can't really get much worse at linebacker than we have been the last couple of years. So I think that overall, I'm pretty, you know, I wouldn't say I'm overly enthusiastic about the room, but I have I have higher hopes for them than I have in the past few years. I think it's OK to be overly enthusiastic because I, I do think that the linebacker play will be a lot better. The linebacker position is sort of how I feel about the entire defense. I like a lot of these guys. It's just a matter of finding the right role and fit for them and coaching them up properly. So I I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we see quite the rotation, especially early on. I could see four or five guys getting real playing time until Jim Knowles kind of settles on it. But I think there's a lot of talent there. It's just a matter of can the coaches get that out of them. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to have your kind of main defensive coordinator as also your your full-on linebackers coach. But I, I think that, you know, based on what Ohio State's had in the past few years, I think it'll go I think it'll go pretty well. Um so moving on now to the back end of the defense where there are a lot of things to discuss, I would say. Um I'm gonna approach this, Josh, as having you know, I'm going to go with, with the corners. I'm going to go two, two outside corners and then co- sort of like a, a bullet slash corner slash like cover safety in the, in the middle of the defense in that, that secondary. So I'm going to start with the corners. Um, I think the most obvious player here as the starting corners, uh, besides Bryson Shaw, as Josh mentioned earlier, is, is Denzel Burke as your number one corner here. You know, played tremendously as a freshman last year, was clearly Ohio State's best player in that defensive secondary. I think that, you know, while the coaching staff has said that none of these guys' jobs are set in stone, I think you could pretty much write in Denzel Burke's name in Sharpie atop the cornerback depth chart. And then uh, across from him in the number two spot, I, I wrestled with this one a little bit. Uh, I was going to put Cam Brown, but I am a little bit... I'm a little bit concerned with Cam Brown. Cam Brown was a guy who kind of his his mark was his speed, and, and it did look like he lost a little bit of that coming off that Achilles injury, which is you know something. It's not his fault. It's just it happens. You know, it's it's tough to come back from those Achilles injuries. He was clearly hobbled at the beginning of last year. I think he got better as the year went on, but I am still a little bit worried about it. That was kind of his main trademark. So my quarterback too, I have an or between Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson, and it's I it, love it's, it. It's kind of hot to put that there because neither of these guys have played, and I know J.K. Johnson was hurt last year, but these are two guys who came in as incredibly highly touted corners. And I think that, you know, with the help of guys like Perry Eliano and Tim Walton, I, I think that one of those guys is going to emerge as Ohio State's number two corner. I do think that, you know, we will see Cam Brown out there. We will see whoever doesn't win the battle between Hancock and J.K. Johnson out there. But those are my two starting or outside corners. And then my my slot guy, my, my bullet safety, all that crap. I have uh, Cam Martinez. Uh, Cam Martinez is a guy that was another one of these these players that Ohio State kind of recruited as a positionless player, kind of just a supreme athlete. They had him; he was a two way player. He has a highlight, a ridiculous highlight film of just touchdowns from his high school days. Um, I, I think he could be really good in that in that slot role. He's a he's a bit of a smaller guy, super athletic, a lot of speed, and, and I think that you know given given the role he would be asked to play in this Jim Knowles defense, I think he could really excel there. Um, obviously you still have Ronnie Hickman who played the bullet last year. You have Lathan Ransom who's coming off a, a pretty, pretty bad leg injury in the Rose Bowl. So we don't know what his status will be coming in, but I, I, I think it'll be probably either Cam Martinez or Ronnie Hickman in that, that slot role. Uh, I'm interested to see what you have, Josh, in this kind of middle of the secondary spot. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I went same basic alignment, but I, I kind of referred to them as cover safety, strong safety, and free safety. Um, and that strong is where I'm kind of lumping in the bullet. At corner, Denzel Burke is probably the one guy written in pen right now based on what we saw from him, freshman All-American. So um, I would be shocked if he's not out there at one boundary or one corner. And I'm glad you brought those two talented freshmen from last year up. I think Jordan Hancock's your other starting corner just because, you know, he was primarily healthy last year, a lot more practice, perhaps a lot more time with the team. And, you know, I I watched a lot of his stuff coming out of high school, read up on him a lot. I think he's a supremely talented dude. And so I would give him the edge over Jacqueline Johnson just because JK struggled with the injury. So, I'm with you. I, I think Cam Brown plays a role, but I'm really excited about Jordan Hancock. So I see him out there as corner number two. And then as far as your safeties go, uh, I refer to Tanner McAllister as the cover safety. It's a position he's played for Jim Knowles before at Oklahoma State. I think that's a pretty uh, you know, safe assumption that he's going to play a pivotal role. So I have him out there as like the cover safety. Free safety, I think Josh Proctor gets his spot back, takes that back from Bryson Shaw. It was going to be his. We assumed he was going to be one of the top defenders last year, provided he's healthy. I think he plays that safety role. And then at the bullet slash strong safety, this is where I'm going to shock you. And I, you know, get your take button ready. I might be on freezing cold takes. This is where I think Court Williams takes over because I am super high on Court Williams. Ronnie Hickman was the leading tackler last year. I get it. He had 100 tackles. But if you look a little bit deeper, and I know he wasn't asked to do certain things, but Ronnie Hickman had one tackle for loss last year. It was a sack against Nebraska. They sent him on a blitz. That was it. Um, He had two picks. Yes, they were early on in the season. Um, He forced one fumble, recovered none. So, I sort of think of this guy as a playmaker. I think he needs to be a playmaker with this sort of, uh, you know, hybrid spot. And I'm just, I'm high on Court Williams. I think that he can be a difference maker. Whereas Ronnie Hickman, Ronnie Hickman made a lot of tackles five yards down the field. Okay. Like, let's just, it, it is what it is. And he was all over the place. I love Ronnie Hickman, but I love Court Williams a little bit more just based on the tackle for loss numbers that he put up in a small sample size, that body type, he brings a little more thump, a little more umph there uh, where he can support the run game. So I know I'm going way out on a limb here, but I think Court Williams takes over that role as the strong, strong safety slash bullet. Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy at all. You know, like I said, I have Court Williams in my linebacker room. I think that no matter where they put him, as long as they could find a concrete role for him, I think that he will excel. I don't, you know, they can't keep treating him like just this positionless player that they know is good, but they're just throwing all around because that's not fair to him. That's not using it to the best of their ability. So, you know, whether he's a linebacker or a safety, I do think that as long as they find a, a spot for him and they're, they're teaching him up in that spot, uh, I think he will be an impact player for this team in some form. Uh, yeah, but like you said, you know, you have Ronnie Hickman as one of your one of your safety spots. Um, or no, you didn't. You had I, I was going to talk about Ronnie Hickman just because, like you said, he he made a lot of tackles. But you know, sometimes when you're a player in the secondary, a lot of tackles aren't a good thing. And, and I think some of Ronnie Hickman's tackles were a result of his own coverage misses. And like you said, he wasn't asked to do everything. He was kind of thrown into that bullet spot, not a position he's used to playing. 
Um, so no, no fault to him. I thought he had a good year. I just didn't think he was spectacular. So that's kind of why I had him or Cam Martinez as sort of that, sort of that uh, cover slot safety guy. And okay. then my actual, my actual safeties. I at free safety. I also have Josh Proctor. Um, I think he'll as long as he's healthy, he should have no problem getting that spot back. A lot of, lot of hype around him coming into last year before he got injured. So I, I think that whoever doesn't win that cover safety role between Martinez and Hickman will probably back up Proctor at the free safety spot. And then my strong safety, uh, I have Sonny Styles. Uh, incoming freshman, my second starting, okay. second starting true freshman. Uh, not even he's actually not even supposed to be a freshman in this class. He's supposed to be in the next class. He reclassified, but this is another kid like C.J. Hicks that I think is just going to be too good to leave off the field. I, I know that Tanner McAllister came in here to play at Ohio State. I don't know if he's going to be a guy that's starting at Ohio State. I don't know if he's that caliber of player. I think he's solid, and I think that if you know if if one of these guys go down or they need a guy to play a different role, I think that McAllister knows. Jim Knowles' defense very well, and I think he'll be a good leader in that room and a very good teacher. But I don't know if he's a guy that's going to start day one, and I, I really like Sonny Styles. You know, I, I don't know. Like I said, some of my depth chart is more of what I want to see and less of what I think I will see. But I, I think that Sonny Styles being out there at safety will be another aspect that Ohio State hasn't had in a while, sort of since, you know, not not m- more of a Malik Hooker than a, than a Jordan Fuller, but I'm obviously not going to say he's the next Malik Hooker, but I think he's more of that kind of playmaker rather than that eraser at the back end. I think that's more of his style, ironically, you know, no pun intended. Uh, but Sonny Styles, I think, is going to be another really special player on this Ohio State defense. So I'm hoping to see him out there early and often, and while you know he might not start day one, I do think you will see uh, a good amount of Sonny Styles this year, even as a guy who's coming in as, as a guy who should be playing you know, his, his high school year at football. Yeah, the Tanner McAllister piece is interesting. I sort of like your idea of maybe he's a super sub um, because of his familiarity with the Jim Knowles defense. And actually, you know, as a true freshman at Oklahoma State, he was a traditional corner on the outside, Denzel Burke, Cam Brown type. So, you know, he does a lot of coverage as this coverage safety position, but he may be able to move around. So I think that, yeah, maybe he doesn't start, but he's like a a defensive sixth man, right? Um, So I think that opportunity does exist. And I would love to see Sonny Styles out there on the field. I just, you know, I, I, I get it. He even as even graduating early, he was still a five-star recruit. Like he's still that highly thought of, but I mean, he's a young dude. It may take him some time, but if he, you know, balls out and he proves it to these coaches, I think he could play a number of positions too. I think that he could be a bullet type. I think that hell, if he puts on 10 to 15 pounds, he's got the frame really of a linebacker. Um, I think he's listed at like 6'3", 215 right now. Imagine if he's 6'3", 230. Um, yeah, that was another a- one of my one of my uh, motivations for having Hicks and Styles play in their freshman year is that I figured that they would both get to play at, at their highest athleticism before Mick Marotti forces them to bulk up to 260 <laughs> pounds and ruins them entirely as players. So that's kind of another reason why I wanted them out there early before uh, this this uh, strength and conditioning staff ruins them. Yeah, and that's a good point because C.J. Hicks, you know, has played a lot of coverage too. He's not a a big linebacker. I think he's listed at two ten right now. So those are a couple of guys though that, yeah, hopefully Mick and and the coaches treat them right and do the right things by them. But they are also a couple of guys. They're so so athletic already that I think even if they did put on 10 to 15 pounds, 
you know, maybe they lose 1% of that athleticism. I think those guys are, they're scary, man. And if you put some, some weight on them, they could be these prototypical linebacker size guys with that high end athleticism of like a cornerback or a safety almost. I mean, you've seen Sonny Styles or you've probably seen Sonny Styles play basketball. I mean, dude can move. So it really just kind of depends on what happens to them early in their career. And Gabe Powers is another one, just to backtrack a little bit. He's already a bigger linebacker. He could be, I, I can imagine him being just an outstanding, outstanding Leo position with some added weight because he's almost already the size of like a stand-up rusher. You give him 20 pounds with that linebacker mentality and that experience he has, you know, that it kind of all wraps it up. I think that Jim Knowles sees limitless opportunity and hopefully he sees that with the players too. Maybe he's like, Hey, we need to put 30 pounds on Gabe powers and he's going to be one of our best defensive ends or, you know, CJ Hicks is so good. He can bump back and play safety and Sonny styles. We put 20 pounds on him. He comes up to play linebacker. Like, I just think there are so many different routes that this coaching staff can go with this talent coming in. And those are just some of the freshmen. Um, So that's what I'm really, really excited about too, is just, I think that Jim Knowles, people have kind of referred to him as a mad scientist, right? He's got a lot of, uh, a lot of substances and a lot of, you know, beakers and stuff to work with. I want to see how creative he can get with some of the guys on this roster. It really is concerning to me how much distrust I have in Mick Marotti and like how close he is to the top. of. And all I want to do is hang out with Mick Marotti. Like my dream is to work out with the Ohio State football team, but that's probably just because I want to put on 30 pounds. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like he's he's probably near the top of my college football enemies list. And it's because like it's just like it's not a real strength and conditioning program. If you need a guy to come in and tell all your players to eat 5000 calories a day and lift as heavy as possible, I could do that. That's not college football conditioning. That's just that's that's Olympic weightlifting. That's not what these guys should be doing. <laughs> and it's it's a reason that I think that guys like Zach Harrison haven't panned out because he gained like thirty pounds and lost some of his athleticism since getting to Columbus. And like you said, you know, Jack Sawyer looking a little thick at the end of last year. It's just you're know, taking these guys who who their strengths is their athleticism. And if you're adding, you know, 20, 30 pounds, that, that goes away. You can't you can't gain 30 pounds and not lose a little bit off your 40 times. So I'm just, I'm concerned that, you know, especially with guys like CJ Hicks and Sonny Styles, who, you know, a lot of their, you know, talents are because they're athletic. You don't need to make them, you know, into linebacker bodies to be what they are. I think that CJ Hicks, you know, obviously will need to gain a little bit just to, to play a linebacker at the next level. But I don't think you need to bulk all these guys up to 250 pounds for them to play at, at the next level. Gene, look at Georgia. You know, uh, most of their linebackers, they were, they're not the biggest guys, you know, Nicobe Dean's listed like six foot two ten, and he was one of the best linebackers in the country. So there may be something to your point. It's not something I'd given a ton of thought to really before you brought it up. And this isn't the first time, but the more I think about it, and then I look back at some of these other teams, I mean, sometimes you're just going to have this freak of nature, like Will Anderson Jr. at Alabama. He's 6'4", 235. He runs like a 4'1". He's insane. But then you got a guy like Nicobe Dean at Georgia who is probably considered undersized, but you know he didn't put a ton of weight on. I think he played a little bit of safety in high school, but still, like he was an undersized guy, but they were like, hey, you have great instincts. You're fast as hell, and you hit like a freight train. 
just go do that. So there may be something to what you're saying and kind of too much bulk and too much size for these guys. Yeah, Georgia's defense is almost the entire basis of my argument. Watching that team play and be like, wow, these guys are strong and fast. You don't have to be huge. You could just, you know, you could add strength without adding a ton of mass. And I think that, you know, a good strength and conditioning program would do that. You don't just need to bulk all these guys up. And I think that, you know, it might be time to kind of turn the page on that. You know, my college football enemies list at the top is still Billy Davis and Alex Grinch. But, you know, Mick McMurray's working his way up the list. Um, NFL draft experts with Jamison Williams and, and Drake London above Garrett Wilson are also on my list, uh, as is honorable mention Eli Apple for making Ohio State look bad. But nonetheless, my number one has quickly become Marcus Freeman since we're on the topic. You know, he stole James Laurinaitis from my radio station. And I love James Laurinaitis. I, I was hoping he would get some sort of gig with Ohio State. Then he went out and he took Al Washington off our hands, which maybe that's addition by subtraction, but still. And then he just went out and got Al Golden to be his defensive coordinator. Al Golden was the linebackers coach for the Cincinnati Bengals this year and for the last couple of years. And Al Golden did some really good things with uh, some young Cincinnati linebackers. So if we're going college football enemies, go ahead and sign me up for Marcus Freeman while we're at it. It does kind of seem like Marcus Freeman has a, a personal vendetta against you specifically uh, as, as, a, <laughs> as a James Laurinaitis slash Bengals fan. I, I think that's a I understand him being on your list. He hasn't personally wronged me yet. Uh, we'll see what happens in, on the first game of the year this season. But uh, for now, Marcus Freeman is safe for me, but not to stray too far off the point of Ohio State's defense now that we've aired some of our grievances. Um, yeah, you know, the back end of this defense is going to be really interesting. There's also a lot of guys in this safety room that we haven't really heard from since they came to Ohio State. Uh, you know, guys like Jansen Dunn and Andre Tarantine, and I think Tarantine was hurt a bit last year, but, you know, just other bodies in that safety room that we haven't really heard from. And based on what we saw from Ohio State's safeties last year, they probably could have used some help. So I'm interested to see if any of those guys get some burn. You know, they also have uh, Kai Stokes coming in, who is a bit of an under-the-radar recruit, but he's a guy that Ohio State staff seems to be really high on as another one of those guys in that safety rotation. So much like linebacker, there's a lot of options in this secondary. And like we've kind of talked about as a whole with the defense, we don't need Ohio State's defense to be top 20 in the country, although it would be nice. But, you know, if Ohio State's even top 50, top 60, or, or top 40 even, like th- this will be a really good team with the offense they have. So uh, based on what we've seen from the personnel, at least, like, it seems like they have more than enough options to put together a good defense. They just have to find the right pieces and be able to put together the puzzle in the right way to, to make a, a sturdy defense for Ohio State this year. Yeah, I, I look at it like a, a chef in a kitchen. I think that Ohio State has all the right ingredients. Can this new chef that they hired <clears throat> put them together and make something good, make something tasty. I think that he can. I think that that was, you know, what was lacking. We've talked about it, the creativity, the the experimentation. I, I can't think of a guy over the last couple of seasons on the defensive end where I, I've watched him and be like, wow, he's better than I thought. Maybe Ronnie Hickman by default because he led the team in tackles last year. But like a lot of these guys have underperformed a little bit or a lot of a bit. So it also seems like they only like they don't where who's a guy that's I guess you could say Tommy Eichenberg last year, but who's a guy that like from year to year like has improved? Like there really isn't a yeah. defensive player, but I mean obviously like Chase Young and those guys, but in, in the last couple of years it's been like, you know, the guy's either been the same that he was the year before or potentially worse. So it, it's weird to watch 
Um, and I, you know, obviously, like all these new coaches, I would imagine will make a huge impact on that kind of thing. But we would like to see guys start to improve at the college level rather than either stay the same or deteriorate over time. Yeah, a lot of plateauing. I think the one guy that I thought of while you were talking just now is uh, Tyreek Smith, but he was always battling something. I think he improved kind of over time. But yeah, a lot of these guys have really hit a wall sophomore, junior season and just kind of flattened out. So can we get the most out of those older guys and bring these newer guys up to speed and up to their potential? You know, they're five-star recruits for a reason. And we have not had that prototypical stud since Chase Young, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that seems pretty fair to me. And also just as a, as a, my last note here on the defense, all, all joking aside, um, sure. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's a great teammate. I'm sure he's great in the locker room for morale. If Bryson Shaw plays meaningful snaps for this Ohio State defense this year, I'm out. I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> That's it. Like I just, just, there's no reason for it. I'm sorry. Like I hate to disparage individual college players, but he's just not at the level that Ohio State needs, especially at the safety position. Especially when you have all these other guys on the roster who are seemingly, you know, a- above him. Uh, I just, I can't watch it again. I, it's, it's like watching Tough Borland, but at safety, I can't do it again. I won't do it again, and I refuse. I'm sort of with you, um, but I will say I'll leave myself this out. If Jim Knowles and Perry Aliano and Tim Walton are like, hey, we can do something with this guy, then like he gets a chance with me. But yeah, too many blown assignments, too many missed tackles, too many bad angles from Bryson Shaw last year. So um, I'm not all the way out, but I've got like nine toes out on Bryson Shaw. If, if Perry Aliano and Jim Knowles fix Bryson Shaw, they deserve the keys to the city. Instantly. <laughs> That's fair. I'm in on that. But yeah, I mean, any uh, any other last parting comments you have? And we've spent a good hour here talking about the Ohio State defense, kind of how I expect it to go. We had some, not really disagreements, but we had some different options we kind of threw out there. If Ohio, I'm sure Ohio State's defensive coaches are listening very intently to what we have to say <laughs> and, and taking notes on how we think the depth chart could look, having not seen half of these guys play. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think that Ohio State certainly has the pieces, like we said, to put together a good defense. It's just how it all comes together and and overall based on what we've heard and you know based on the new coaches that are coming in I am pretty optimistic about it I'm not expecting uh, them to be world beaters on the defensive end, but I'm certainly expecting them to be a lot more competitive than they were the past few years. And and I think that, you know, overall that should be enough, especially playing in the Big Ten, which isn't exactly known for its offense outside of Ohio State. I do think that, you know, it's it's probably a, con- a conversation for another day, but I think it's interesting that Ohio State is very, is so focused on the passing aspect of things when they lost to, you know, a team like Michigan who beat them on the ground. So I am a little concerned that they're maybe leaning too far in one direction, but I think overall the defense should be a lot better under Jim Knowles and a lot of these defensive coaching assistants that have come in. You know, obviously Larry Johnson's still there, Pagliarano, Tim Walton are good hires. I think overall the defense should be in good hands and we just have to kind of see it for ourselves. And we won't, I guess we won't really know until the season starts and they're going to have a hell of a way to test out the new defense against Notre Dame. But I think it'll be interesting to watch and I'm hoping, you know, to not want to pull my hair out every time Ohio State's defense is on the field this year. I'm with you. I'd like to keep my illustrious hair. The one parting shot of the last thing I'll sort of throw out there is Excuse me. I know that I I mentioned Hero Canoe, and he has not been playing this style of football for a long time. And I would say that there is a 10% chance that he even sees the field. That being said, um, when you think about that 10% chance, I mean, he's 6'5, 300 pounds. Ohio State has not had a guy that is 6'5. 300 pounds and, you know, athletic 
like Hero Canoe in a long time. You know, I'm probably forgetting a guy or two, but he reminds me of Cam Hayward, who is, you know, reaching Pro Bowls in his 13th season or whatever he's in with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I, I'm intrigued by Canoe. Again, I'd say I'd give him a 10% chance of getting on the field. But if he does, if he develops quickly, if he just picks up everything that the coaches are kind of giving him and feeding him, he has something else that nobody else, he has something that nobody else on this kind of two deep has, and that is six, five, 300 pounds. So, you know, very, it's a long shot, but that's another guy before we get out of here that at least intrigues me. And maybe by the second half of the season, I don't know, they're throwing him out there, you know, as a brick wall saying, Hey, go out there, be big, be strong and get your hands up. And maybe he brings something to the table. Yeah. I, I love your commitment to hero canoe. Um, I guess you could see, I guess you could say you're rowing the boat on Hero Canoe, or is that is that too far? But nonetheless, yeah, I could see him kind of being like a in, in sort of like a Tyleek Williams fashion, where he doesn't play a ton, but every time he's out there, he's noticeable. And I don't know if that's just because of his size, almost like the the offensive version of Thayer, uh, not Thayer Mutford of uh, Dewan Jones. But yeah, I mean, a guy of that size coming in, even as a freshman, could certainly be useful in in some certain different packages. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him. You know, like you said, even, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. One other question, because we're talking defensive line. I know we brushed over them. Like, are we completely dismissing Kenyatta Jackson in Amari Abar? I wouldn't say we're completely dismissing them. I just think that there's a lot in front of them. Especially, and not even just that, just because I think in, in Jim Knowles' system, it's really only one true defensive end on the field at any given time. And I think that JT Tuimaloa is going to probably play you know 70% of the snaps of that position, and then you have a couple other guys behind him. So I do think that you know both of those guys, I think, are going, going to play a lot at Ohio State down the line. I think they will both be starters at a certain point in their careers. I just don't know. You know maybe, maybe it's the same percentage as a guy like Hirokanu. Maybe they all play you know maybe 5 to 10% of the snaps this year just in garbage time. But I do think eventually Eventually, they will make an impact. I just think there's a lot of, of roadblocks ahead of them in terms of, you know, guys that are already on the roster. That's fair. That's fair. I just wanted to ask because I feel like we brushed off, you know, we kind of went over them quickly, but a couple of uh, really high-end talent. So we'll see. But yeah, I, they're behind a lot of talent too. So Yeah, and I think that, you know, this this Ohio State defensive staff seems keen on getting the best talent out there regardless of, of class. So it will be good to see, you know, if we are seeing more freshmen on the field, it means they, they beat out some guys and they deserved it. So I would like to see, you know, we thought last year we'd see a bit of a youth movement in Ohio state and we, we did in some areas, but you know, to really fully commit to it and getting your best 11 on the field at all times. And, and especially, you know, being able to rotate some guys in that you could trust at all times. I think that's important. So if we do see some of these freshmen on the field early, I think that's a good sign. I think that means that they're playing really well and that they've, they've earned their spot on the team. And I think that, you know, the more guys that you could trust, in, in real game snaps and not just in garbage time, I think that's a very valuable thing to have. And I think that at a place like Ohio State, where all of your players are four and five star talents, I think that the more the merrier. I'm excited, man. Let's get to spring practice. Yeah, it's uh, we're a little bit of a ways away now, but you know, by the time we get to to April, we'll have the spring game, we'll have the draft, and a lot of good stuff to talk about. So, lots of Ohio State football here on the horizon. Unfortunately, no no football games to be played in, in uh, the next couple of months, but we will be sure to have our fill of football and in miscellaneous other ways until then.
for that. Uh, I, I think that's pretty good in about an hour on Ohio State's defense. I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about it as we, we learn more from spring practice and all that jazz. Uh, be sure to check out all of our, our written content over at LandGrantHolyLand.com. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff you do with all your podcasts. Uh, and for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.